Hey there, welcome again, and it's Fred, and we're going for another walk. Yeah, you might think by now I do a lot of walking. Uh, it's true, I do a lot of walking. And, um, I guess if you're following around with me, you're walking metaphorically with me through my life, and uh, sharing that with me, and it's becoming part of your life too. Um, I'm playing around with the dials here, trying to get the right setting. So, just a descriptor now, um, I'm down uh, one of the main lines of the logging roads here on our islands, and I've come to a trailhead, which is frequented by people, it's accessible for others, it's a great place for you if you have mobility issues or you just want to get um, into the woods just to get a peek to see what it's like to see some big trees. Uh, it's this is the area along the same river where I was on the estuary so on an earlier episode I'm just further up river now and I'm casting my gaze around and I'm seeing some pretty big trees I mean in my life I've experienced forests here of all types that exist here and I've you know I've been in I mean, the biggest tree I ever found, the biggest Sitka spruce, uh, at breast height diameter, like a chest high, the width of that tree was 17 and a half feet. So that's probably about, what would that be? 17 and a half feet, well you can convert that into meters. And the biggest cedar tree I ever found was 42 and a half feet in circumference. So I would think by pretty much any any, any terms, those are big trees. But the ones I'm looking at now, they're quite large as well because we're in a what's known as a riparian zone, which essentially means we're close to the river. And uh, low down along the rivers here and along some of the side slopes that you find near river areas are some of the best places to find the big honking trees because that's where all the nutrients are available for them and they're just great growing environments for the trees here. So that's where you get these big, massive spruce. You get these big, massive hemlocks, and you get these big, uh, big, massive cedar trees. Those are our primary species. We have others, but those are the big, oh, that's the, top, the big three here that we have. Western red cedar, Sitka spruce, and western hemlock. Now we also have mountain hemlock, and we have red alder, and we have crab apples, and we have few other native tree species which are not as common but boy I'm looking at this one right here and I'm just gonna walk up to it and I'm looking at it right now and at chest height with the root fan I would say it's about seven well seven and a half feet wide and it's a clear trunk which essentially means I think I just heard a kingfisher in the background there. And I can hear some kinglets up high. Um, it's just a big honk and straight trunk. It stays at about six feet wide and it goes up about 40 feet before the first branch.
guess what that is. More eagles. And I can hear the little small kinglets up in the trees there. So I'm working my way through this path. And I can look over there and I can see a big honking cedar. And I would say it's about 10 feet across at the base. Another big tree. And my footprints sound quite loud. I'm on the gravel. The gravel. I'll get under the moss. are big here. Here's another one. It's about eight feet across and then it just at about 12 feet up it just turns into two big giant tree trunks. It kind of is a big Y. In the crux of that is a big plume of moss with um, these ferns hanging down. That's our red squirrel there introduced. And we've got these big um, this big uh, basically moss basket of ferns and those are what we call licorice root, and that's a epiphytic fern, which basically means it generally lives in the trees or on the sides of cliffs and rocks. And that's a really good one uh, for some medicine. You can use, eat the roots or chew on the roots. It makes a great tea. It's a bit bitter if you don't take the if you don't take the um, skin off it. You just kind of chew on it. It does taste like taste like licorice, and it's anyways. Tell how frozen everything is by the crunching sounds. Um, getting closer to the river. We'd love to find some otters in here. See across the the bank there, and it's kind of all eroded, lots of mud, and also some. I can see I'm looking down. of my angle where I am. I never saw those eagles except for in the reflection of the river. So
It's really pumped, eh? It's all pumped up. There's some head ripples in the water here. And... I don't know, that could be head riffles from steelhead, I think. Just that time of year. And those guys are hanging out above there. Those head riffles, so they're probably, they can look down in the water better than I can. Head riffles are coming to me, I don't know if we can go that way. Yeah. Well, at least you guys got to hear some eagles, and so did I. I hear them all the time, but I love them. But um, even better, it's just fun to share those sounds with others who don't get to hear them as much, or at all, for that matter. Quite majestic. We've got a nest near our house, like quite near. And pretty soon, right around this time, they just start pumping up. They get really active, those eagles. They get really active... Um, uh, late in the winter here, and what they do is uh, they start, you know, making their nests. Now they've got these huge nests, but you're probably, you're probably going, I know, eagles have huge nests. But yeah, they really are big. And uh, but if you watch them build their nests, one of the incredible things that they do, I find fascinating, is they're big, heavy birds. And so, like on a quiet day, you can watch them, and you can hear their wings. Or the, or the wind whistling through their feathers when they come down on these big dives. And then they go to these dead trees where there's snags, these dead snags, and then they, with the weight and the speed, they'll land on a branch with the speed and they'll literally break the branches off the tops of the tree, of these trees. They'll pick certain trees which are perfect for like denuding them for branches then for their nest and so they'll break that branch sometimes they don't break their branch and it's kind of awkward for them but a lot of times they do and then they'll hang on they'll kind of drop with the big heavy branch because of the weight and then they'll recover and sort of boot on in through the forest edge or wherever they are and carry it back to their nest and just keep building these big honking nests and uh, I had a couple we have a couple of three big giant spruce snags on our property and uh, where we live and uh, I observed them doing that for about two weeks in a two-week period they stripped both snags of all the branches that they could possibly break off and yeah it's just really fun to watch them do that like they're just crazy creatures I guess we're all crazy creatures in the end eh? we're just all part of nature and it just depends on your perspective how you look at things I'm gonna keep cruising and see what else I can find. I don't know, you might wonder and think, you know, why is he even talking about that? But you gotta realize, I'm doing a podcast, and if I stop talking like this, there's nothing going on other than my footsteps. So I'm trying to be entertaining, and... Ooh. Yeah, so that's an agitated red squirrel. We have a lot of red squirrels here. And we have another uh, whole bunch of different introduced species. And uh, the red squirrel's one of them. And uh, they're ubiquitous. They're found where throughout our forests. 
and uh, they've just fit right in here and they just start doing their red squirrel thing and there he is right now on the ground he's just booting around but uh, the unfortunate thing about them arriving here is that we're in a remote island ecosystem that never evolved with squirrels so there's no it's sort of a disruption inside of the ecosystem here to have all these red squirrels they uh, they do a lot of things like they'll eat nestlings okay they'll eat the nestlings of little birds I don't know if you know that but they do that they're little they're like these little carnivores and they go in there it's almost like a like a weird little horror movie when you see these things going into a cavity nesting species and just pulling out all the young and eating them right there on the branch all the birds are diving at them and they can't do anything about it so they've impacted I'm sure they've impacted a lot of our forest dwelling birds here in particular the cavity nesting species which are found in the cavities of the old trees and also the songbirds which nest you know wherever they do if you observe red squirrels behavior like I do in this environment you'll see them running up and down the trees and when they're collecting their cones they clip them and drop them to the ground they're going to every little area on that tree out to the every little edge of every little branch so they're just able to get out there and if there's a nest up there boy that's just a total treat for them and they'll just raid it and eat it and uh, you know that's the end of that nest so um, you know you combine that with some of our other introduced species like deer the impacts of other introduced species like deer which basically were introduced here as well and they just forage you know like uh, one of my dead mentors a guy named John Muir uh, used to be a sheep herder and he would go through the um, Sierra Nevada mountains of California and he's kind of when he came across Yosemite Valley he was just totally blown away and it was a big epiphany for him spiritually etc and he did that as a sheep herder and so when he was up in those high mountain ranges with his sheep all alone he was just and he's also a botanist and he was just watching the sheep just go mowing away on all the plants anyways he termed that action with sheep as he calls them hoofed locust and in so many ways the deer do the same thing here throughout our forests and so what that translates to what that ultimately means is when you're um, in the forest here it's difficult to see the regenerative side of a lot of the you know the woody shrubs and the, and the fleshy vegetations and all the different plants that want to emerge and grow into a full plant never get the opportunity because the deer are like the locust and they just continually mow them down and eat them and so the only way you're ever going to see that diversity is if you get right down on your hands and knees and sometimes using a magnifying glass just stare into that world that's like only two inches tall and you'll see the diversity of plants but they're all cropped off and they never have a chance to exist in a free-to-grow state where they're just doing their thing the way they were they, they have evolved here and I've been told and I'm not certain how real this is but I've been told that some uh, plants well many plants do provide um, or have the opportunity to develop chemicals 
in response to different types of predation. Like I, we were talking about that earlier with, um, and uh, the thing is the islands here never really had those types of pressures. So it's thought that maybe some of these plants just don't have the same abilities to protect themselves from herbivores. So even though we're in a really wonderful environment here, which seems all very wild, it's been disrupted by a host of introduced species. And, um, you know, there's a lot of effort, well, there's been a lot of concern, not how much effort, but there's been a lot of concern over this um, fact. And we've seen a lot of destruction, say, of our seabird colonies here because of introduced rats, like nori rats, black rat, which is like a tree rat, and as well with raccoons. You can only imagine the type of damage a raccoon can do in a seabird colony, right? So seabirds have evolved and nest where they do because of the distinct lack of predators where they nest. And so you bring predators into a seabird colony and they just don't have any defense for those predators because they're just really docile birds. You go into a seabird colony, they, they're basically clueless when it comes to um, predation by mammals. They're very wary of peregrine falcons and eagles and ravens and goshawks and sharpshin hawks. But uh, they're not really well, well equipped for raccoons and rats, right? And of course, when the, when the, um, the deer that we have here you know, uh, acting as hoofed locusts, just are continually browsing the, um, the woody shrubs and clipping down all the vegetation. Um, where are, you know, it's very difficult for a lot of these, these, these um, songbirds that we have here to find uh, adequate cover to even put their nests. That's how open it is. And so they are even more exposed to predation uh, because of the lack of cover that has occurred because of the deer that we have here. So, you know, it's one, of the, one of the things that we always think about when we think about nature, and even if we just go into ourselves and, and think philosophically, um, you know, uh, or even scientifically for that matter, we always come back to the same conclusion. And that conclusion I'm talking about is the fact that we're all connected, everything's connected. And we're all part of the one thing. So, when, yeah, so, I don't know. Don't know really why I said that exactly in that context, but I did. And I'm gonna keep moving, because I'm gonna keep just do that. See if I can around the corner. These footsteps are quite crunchy and loud. Up here, I wanna see an otter. I'm not certain if that's going to happen. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, no otters. Anyways, that's uh, just another little quiet interlude here along the river. At least we heard some eagles. That might be exciting for you. It always is for me. And once again, I appreciate you coming. And thank you very much. It's been fun for me. And 
I just appreciate that you even hung in there with me. And if I'm not even sure that you did because this is all just me doing this in isolation. And uh, I'm hoping I can at least entertain some of you in a way that might be meaningful. And feel free to laugh at me uh, or cut me up or do whatever it takes to make this more meaningful for you. Because I just want to get it out there and that's what I'm doing. Okay, I'm signing off now. I'm going to go find another place to walk and I'll take you with me. All right, so cheers. And uh, I want to say Happy New Year's too because uh, this is New Year's Eve day. And uh, 2018 is coming. And uh, I just know that if collectively together as human beings and also the, the, the general spirit of the organism Earth just comes together and focuses, we can make this a better place for all of us. Okay? Yeah. So try to take care of each other and have fun. See you later. Thanks for joining me. Bye.